Thank you, James. Respect to Albert, 13 times in seven days. That's impressive, Albert. That's hardcore. We will be praying for you. Um, you need to know God's strength and grace still as you prepare, don't you? Because um, working full-time as well uh, in the run-up to that. May, God, may you know God's speed as you prepare. Um, anyone watch the news this week or have you tried to avoid it? Anything happened? I, you know, I didn't watch it for a couple of days. Um, do we still have a prime minister? We did. Is that too close to the bone? Sorry about that, anybody. Um, it's been a bit of a week, hasn't it? Uh, could we have the slides up, Obi, if that's possible? Um, if ever there was a week that convinced me I didn't want to be prime minister, this was one of them. Because um, the amount of flack and accusation that's been thrown and the infighting that's unfolding, it's been one of those weeks where there's so much going on and uh, so much challenge and critique and, and people vying for position and power and think, wow, what, what a week's this. And, and it's all been about something called Brexit. You may have heard of it. Um, I'm not going to preach on Brexit today, you'll be glad to know. Um, but it's all something to do with whether we're in or out or shaking it all about and, and what, what rules the relationship we have with Europe will, will take on and um, what our connections and obligations are. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people, there may be somebody else here who did this, when I heard that the text, the 545-page text, was available, I downloaded it of the agreement, and I had a quick scan read through, and it wasn't very exciting. It was late one night, I was nothing on telly. Obviously, you don't want to sleep, do you? I mean, what do you want to sleep for? So I, I kind of had a quick scan read, and, and it wasn't very exciting. It was just a discussion mainly about how we'll relate to, e to the EU while we're deciding what we need to decide at some point. Great, I was glad I read that. And uh, there wasn't a lot in it, but lots for people to argue about and discuss and fall out about. And, and this, this whole debate around, do we follow EU law or don't we? And, and what does our relationship look like now? And what will it look like afterwards? And there is a point to what I'm saying. Um, hold with me. Uh, Sanya led us last week through uh, the thinking about what it looks like to live free. And, and began to that process of getting us to a place of realizing that there was nothing we could add to our own salvation. We couldn't earn God's righteousness. We couldn't earn God's favor. Uh, that We couldn't add anything of our own goodness to what Jesus had done. But he set us free. And he led us to this point, which is a bit like here. Led us here and then left us. Because there wasn't enough time in the sermon to go any further than that. And it would have been a different message. But So my job today is to pick up where we left off and to take us into a situation that looks a little bit like the news in the last week. So if, you've, if you're not familiar with the situation in Galatians, think about what's been going on this last week in the news, and we'll arrive in the text in a minute, and it will seem pretty much like what's been going on in the news. Accusations, infighting, counter-accusations, factions, campaigning, recriminations, a war zone, that's the situation we're diving into today. And, and, and we're answering a couple of key questions in the text we're going to be reading from. And, and this is the situation Paul's dealing with. He's answering a couple of key questions. What does it look like to live free? Okay, so if God set us free, what does it look like to live that? H how do we do it? It's, it's okay to say I can't add anything to God's righteousness, but now what? I wake up in the morning and how do I live for God? And and there's another question that the Galatians are dealing with. Who belongs? Who's, who really is inside God's people? Is, is it just a few of us or is it all of us? How, how do we relate? Are we in or out? What rules apply or don't apply? 
What are we bound by? What are we not bound by? Who gets to determine it? And there's all this kind of discussion on, but going on. But I really want to look at this one question today. How do we live a free life? And we're going to read through from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 onwards to verse 26. Um, and I've, I've split it up into chunks today. We're going to do a chunk at a time and go through a chunk at a time. So this is the first one. And the, the principle I think this passage is talking about is that freedom brings choice. Just a couple of verses, and it's this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying each other. If you fancy tweeting that to an MP, then maybe now's a good time. Um, it's relevant, isn't it? This word that was kind of written a couple of thousand years ago. Paul's writing into the situation where there's a challenge and a fight and a battle going on, and people are destroying one another and arguing over who's right, who's wrong, who's in, who's out, who's got the right to decide. And he's writing these words, saying, You've, you've, you've got freedom, but that brings choice. Next passage. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, or the flesh in other versions, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that, th that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are, where are we now? But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. That's a powerful line, that last one. When you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. That's a big issue at the time in Galatians. I've called this one the spotter's guide, and you'll find out later on why that is. He then writes this. How to know the difference between living by the flesh or living by the Spirit. Firstly, part A, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Spotter's Guide, part two. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Another powerful statement again. And finally, it's the last one. And the key message for today, let the Spirit lead. And that's the wrong passage on there. But let me read on. I've got the wrong text. Do apologize. I'm reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. As 24 onwards, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Some key verses there. Firstly, freedom brings choice. Then let's let the Spirit lead us. Then a spot, what I call the spotter's guide, and then let's let the Spirit lead us. Um, some questions we'll, we'll pull out as we go through. It, it, firstly, it matters how you live. That's the big question, a big, big 
point from today's message. It really matters how you live. It, it matters which side you're on in this discussion and debate. It, it really does. And like our poor Prime Minister who's trying to steer a course through amongst all these factions, in the early church, the church in Galatia was ripping each other apart because they'd had a message of freedom preached. Paul had brought them to this edge and said, you're free to live. And then he'd gone somewhere else. And then others had come in and begun to teach and explain that, well, Paul, when he said that, he really meant this. And he would have told you this if he'd had more time, but he didn't have time, he had to go. So this is what Paul really meant. He meant you're free, but you need to add some other stuff in. And particularly you who aren't Jewish, you need to add some stuff in to make you look a bit more Jewish. You need to add in several things. You need to eat food separately from the rest of us, because we're Jewish and you're not, so we're going to eat separately. And you need to be circumcised if you're men and you also need to keep Sabbath and special holy days holy. And those are the three things that seem to be being taught in Galatians. And we know that because Paul addresses every single one of them in order. And, and he says, you don't need to do these things anymore. But that's been the message that's come in and the church are being told, well, you, just to be on the safe side, because you're now free, you've been declared to be free, it's a bit dangerous being free. So let's give you some rules. Let's give you some boundaries. Let's make you look a bit more Jewish. You can keep the law then a bit of it anyway, and you'll be safer. Because being on this edge, being free, is quite dangerous. And that's because everybody knows, not just the Galatians, not just us, that it matters how you live. You see, on the one hand, if you're not bound by the law and you're free, surely you can do whatever you like. And that looks dangerous. It looks dangerous because these Galatians could have looked around them and seen the culture they were living in, which was rich and diverse and free, but they could have seen a whole load of things that they didn't want to do now they were Christians. They could have seen a whole load of things like the idolatry that was around them and people worshipping so many different gods, the sexual freedoms, the all sorts of things, the slavery. They could have seen all sorts of patterns of behavior and looked and gone, we don't want anything to do with that. But surely if I'm free... I can now do that. And there's this quandary of what does it mean to be free? How, how do we live? Because it matters how you live. On the other hand, the option seems to be, well, if I'm not indulging my freedom, then, then it's surely it's safest to have some law, some boundaries, some framework. Isn't it much safer to, to put some boundaries and not stand on the edge of the cliff, but come back a little bit and say, well, if that's the edge, I'll put a boundary here. Surely that's safer. Surely it's better to have some rules in place so that everybody knows where they stand. Those of you that have been parents, those of you that have been kids, which probably includes all of us, unless something really weird happened in your family, uh, will know that having some rules is a good idea. When you're a child, you don't particularly like them until you go to someone else's house who's got different rules or no rules, and you go, please, can I have some rules again? Because to have none is quite dangerous. And, and life is chaotic. We need rules to, to live. We need to kind of comply and get on in society. Imagine if, if there were no traffic laws suddenly. You could go whatever speed you wanted. That would be great, wouldn't it? For one journey until you discovered that someone else was also exercising their freedom to go whichever way they wanted on the dual carriageway. 
And you are putting your foot down, testing the limits of your car, and you find somebody coming towards you the wrong way in your eyes, but the right way in theirs because they're exercising their freedoms. And suddenly you realize that we need these kind of frameworks, surely, to make it safe for us to exercise our freedom. So there's these two parties, one that's saying, we're free, Paul told us we are, and the other one's saying, but it's a good idea to have some rules. Who's right? In or out? Or have we given up caring? What kind of Brexit do we want? Who cares anymore? What, what's the answer? Do we, do we live free lives or do we live boundaried lives with rules? How do we do this? And Paul comes right into the middle of this and says it does matter how you live. And you see there's a problem. The problem is that if you're going to start living however you want, you are going to end up doing that stuff that you really shouldn't do because actually you'll be enslaved to your flesh, this thing he calls the flesh. You'll end up enslaved to it. You're going to end up doing stuff that looks freeing, but it binds you. We've all seen people who tragically have exercised freedoms that we've looked on and thought, oh, please don't. And we've then picked up the pieces years later as they've lived out the consequences of those freedoms. Oh, what a, what a mess, what a pain. And on the other hand, Paul writes to the others and says, well, you think that you're helping by putting this framework around, but actually you become enslaved by the framework. You become caught up because actually that framework doesn't help you worship God. It doesn't help you honor God. It doesn't help you please God anymore. What you end up doing is following a framework and you're stuck. So neither being free to do what you want nor being bound by the law is actually the answer. And he comes up with a third way. A third way of doing it. And he says, well, don't live by the flesh. Don't live by the law. Live by the spirit. This is how you live. Now, that sounds brilliant. Living by the Spirit. We're a Pentecostal church. That means that we, we're open to the things of the Spirit. That's, it sounds great, doesn't it? Living by the Spirit. Fabulous. How on earth do you do it? Because there's a problem if you start telling people to, to follow what God tells them to do. Is that people do anything they like? We've had a couple of people come to the front and share what they believe God's saying to them. And we encourage that. The process and mechanism we have is that the person who's leading the service, they should come and chat. Uh, and, and that gives an ability for James, in this case, to say, that's an amazing word, but I don't think it's for today. Because I'm just, let's talk about it. Let's just share together. Or to say, that's an amazing word. Please, can you share it? Or that's brilliant. Can you, how, this bit is just from God. That bit I'm not sure about. And it gives that opportunity together as part of the body to, to share what we believe is going to be a blessing. If we had a free-for-all and the mic was just passed around every morning, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Because some of the stuff that would get shared would be amazing. And some of it would be really weird. Now, weird's okay sometimes. We can cope with weird. You can cope with weird in a small group, but weird every week would be just weird. And it wouldn't help us grow. It wouldn't help us hear from God in a way that's meaningful and applicable to our lives. It would just be odd. I was in a prayer meeting, and I probably shared this, where people were praying passionately, and, and somebody in the middle of this passionate prayer just said, thank you, Lord, for mushrooms. <laughs> and that was the end of their prayer. Now, they obviously like mushrooms. Some people are allergic to them and don't really like them, but it was just odd. Nothing wrong with it. It may have been a heartfelt cry of worship to the Lord at that moment. I'm not going to decry that, but it did seem a little odd, I must say. 
So we can use our freedoms in all sorts of ways. And when it comes to following the Spirit, you don't need to go far on the internet to discover that there are all sorts of ways of following the Spirit. And you don't have to go very far down that road to discover that one group over here says, we've got the Spirit, and they haven't. And this group over here says, no, we've got it, and they haven't. And suddenly you end up with factions and infighting and divisions and the world of the Galatians all over again with people claiming to follow the Spirit, but they've ended up fighting. And they've ended up falling out. And they've ended up saying, we're better than you are. So how, how do we do it? Surely, Paul, what we need is some framework, some guidelines to know how to follow the Spirit. Well, then we're stuck again, aren't we? Because that looks a bit like law. So what on earth do we do? Do we say you're free? Or do we say here's some guidelines, some regulations, here's how you follow the Spirit? Paul does neither in this passage. Uh, we would have loved him, to be honest, to give a list of do's and don'ts. We'd have loved him to say this is how you act, this is what you do. When you're, when you're having a prophetic word, this is what a good one is, this is what a bad one is. He does a little bit of that, but not much. And to give some guidelines, when you're making decisions in your life, this is how you do it. Paul doesn't. He does something revolutionary. He doesn't give a list of do's and don'ts. He gives lists of what will happen if you put different things into practice. The first one, option one, is this. If you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, and I read that list earlier. He ends by saying, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Option two, you knew this was coming, is following the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. That list. Now, I called these the spotter's guide earlier. That's because Paul doesn't give these as lists and say, keep to this, this is the new law. He does the opposite. He says, I'm going to tell you what direction to go in, and I'm going to give you a guide to know if you're heading in that direction. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to tell you... Um, what decisions to make. But when you get where you're going, you'll know if you've arrived in the right place because of the guide I'm going to give you. And it's like he gives them a little manual. And in the first manual, it's this one. He says, if you go in the way of indulging your flesh, then this is where you'll end up. This is, what, this is how you'll know you've engaged, indulged your flesh. You'll be making decisions. You won't know if it's the spirit or if it's you or if it's the law, but you'll end up somewhere and you'll discover that there's sexual immorality, impurity, there's lustful pleasures, there's jealousy, there's quarreling, there's sorcery perhaps, there's outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He's saying, you'll discover if you've been living in the flesh, if when you look at your life and you look at the life of your friends around you, that's what you see. If you're getting angry and you're selfish and you're falling out with other people and there's envy and you're resorting to drunkenness or kind of wild parties, then you've ended up following the flesh. Now, you might be thinking, Stuart, why? you mentioned about this following the law as another option. Why doesn't he outline what following the law looks like? It's because he lumps it all into option one. There actually aren't three options. There's only two. Because if you're following the law or you're following the flesh, you end up in the same place as this. And we can prove it because in Galatians, they're trying to follow the law, but they've ended up here. They've ended up angry and divided and dissenting and with selfish ambition. 
and they're tearing each other apart. So even our well-meaning efforts to live with guard posts and guardrails around us mean that we end up pointing the finger at others and saying, we're better than you. You've got it wrong. We're more holy than you are. Or we're right, you're wrong. And we end up with things like division. We may not end up with wild parties because we've got boundaries to protect us from that. We may not end up with lustful pleasures because we've got some boundaries around us to protect us from that. But we still end up in a place where we're not living for God's glory. Whether we end up trying to follow the flesh or trying to follow the Lord. Is this making sense? So wherever we head, if we're not following the Spirit, we're going to end up in this place. And Paul's saying, don't land in this place. Thank you for the reassurance. I was looking out thinking, am I connecting? And if it is, that's good. Paul says there's no third way. There's actually only a second way. And the second way is this. And he's basically saying, if you want to know if you're following the Spirit, then keep this guide with you. Because you'll go through your life, your work life, your home life, uh, your time with your friends, your time in church, your time relating to other people. And every now and then you can pull out this guide. And you'll know if you're actually walking with the flesh or the law or the spirit because you'll discover that when you look at your life, there should be some fruit. And the fruit should be increasing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the list. You don't aim for this as a destination. You aim for following the Spirit. But as a guide to know, am I going in the right direction? I can pull this checklist out and go, and that one out and go, which, which one am I seeing? Am I seeing option one or option two? Where have I ended up? Now in my life, perhaps like some of yours, I, I tend to get a bit of a blur of options. I get a bit of a blur because I see some increasing attributes of the Spirit of God at work, and I see some pretty ugly stuff in my life too at times. And by God's grace, you, you need to deal with that as you're following the Spirit and, and trying to walk with Him. A couple of points just around this sense of following the Spirit and keeping in step with Him. We notice that this list looks a lot like God's attributes. Not a great surprise, because the work of the Spirit is to produce in us increasing godliness increasing Christ-likeness, to make us more like Jesus. Not by giving us laws, but by working in us, by leading us, by directing us, so that we become more and more like him. There'll be some things we stop doing. There'll be a whole load of things we start doing as we follow after the Spirit. It's a mark of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that we're following the Spirit, not under law, but led by the Lord himself into increasing holiness and following him. Paul gives this contrast. He says, look, if you want, here's the two lists. Put them side by side and compare. This is what it looks like. This is where you'll end up if you'll make these decisions. So what do we do? How do we, how do we live this life, this life of freedom that Paul's calling us to live? Well, I've put here, let the Spirit lead. If the flesh isn't an option, if the law's not an option, then we need to let the Spirit of God lead us. How do we do it, Paul? Please, tell us. Well, he says three things that I think are really helpful. And I've got all the verses up here. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Firstly, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Secondly, when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So let the Spirit direct you. Thirdly, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
So we follow the Spirit's leading. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit direct you and follow the Spirit's leading. I can see those of you that are taking notes are waiting for me to tell you how to do it. What you'll also notice is I'm expounding the scripture and I'm not going outside of the bounds of what Paul said today on purpose because he's leading us on a path which is so clear that he wants us only to follow the spirit. We're looking for how do I do it then? Show me the boundaries. You see how insidious it is. Show me how I put this into practice. What's the rules? How do I play by the rules? How, what do I do to follow the spirit? Show me. Paul's saying, no, I'm not going to show you. I'm going to show you what it looks like when you get there. You're going to have to listen and follow. And, but, but how do I know I'm following? Well, you'll look at the guide and see if you've ended up there. There's a place in the Lake District. I've walked a lot of the Lake District, but there's a part of it. I haven't, uh, one particular route I haven't walked, which is this one, which is Striding Edge. I've chosen an impressive photo on a snowy day. Um, Striding Edge has had a few accidents. I'm looking at Stephen for confirmation. It's had a few accidents up there, hasn't it? A few of some. It's, a, it's not sort of Everest style, but it's, it's moderately dangerous. You have to be careful where you put your feet. Uh, it's not the kind of place you go for a picnic um, necessarily on the top because there's a, a ridge striding edge from one mountain to another and you have to go across. Uh, and some of you are looking at this photo going, I'd love to do that right now. I'd love to be up there climbing that and walking across this edge that isn't like me getting to the edge here. It's more like this. You know, and you, you'd love to walk across and the rest of you are going, I quite fancy a cup of tea right now. <laughs> Stuart, we finished in a minute. I can get the, get the tea on and we can sit down and have a chat and... Uh, that's this image, and my concern for us is that we can fear that this, the walk that Paul's calling us to is a bit like this, where I've got the law on one side, and I keep veering back to that. I want rules and regulations, and on the other side, I've got the precipice of living by my own flesh. If, if, I, if I'm not careful and don't follow the Spirit, Lord, what are you saying? I'm, I'm going to plunge into the flesh, or I'm going to plunge into the law, and and actually what Paul's calling us to do is walk an almost impossible route. And you just might be sitting here today thinking, but I'm not equipped for that. I keep, I keep stumbling and surely if I stumble, I, Paul said, um, it, it's pretty disastrous. What do I do? It's not like that. It's not like this precipice where you've got one disastrous option on one side and one disastrous on, on the option on the other side. You're not as passive as that. It's not as fearful as that. The consequences are big, but... If you're fearing going into the flesh, Paul says in the next chapter, which we haven't got to, if one of you sins, someone else should restore them gently. This isn't a one-off, one strike and you're out. This isn't like striding edge where if you take a fall, you might not come back. Or, or, or they might need to reassemble you. Um, it's, it's not like that. So it's serious. But Paul's, Paul's saying it's not like an edge you've got to follow. It's actually perhaps better that there's... there's a door here and a door there or some options here and some options there. And he's saying this, this represents the choices of the flesh. Elsewhere, he says, run from them. Run. It's like, he doesn't mind which direction you go in. Just run from those things. Run from those, that sin that so easily entangles. Just leg it. Get away from it. You can't leg it on striding edge. You've got to go carefully. So Paul says, run. He also says, run from the law. So actually, you're propelled away from two options, running in the spirit. 
And he's calling us to run. James earlier encouraged us to pursue the Spirit, to pursue the things of God. And that's a lovely image to say, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm running from the flesh and I'm running from legalism and the law and these boundaries. I'm, I'm running to you. So it's not like a little edge you could fall off. It's, it's much more exciting than that. So how, Stuart, tell us, how do we do it? Well, let me wrap up by saying a few things. Firstly, this is, this is profound. Are you ready for this? Walking by the Spirit involves walking. Did you get that? It's not enough to sit. It's not enough just to receive. It's not enough just to be. It involves movement and activity and putting into practice the Word of God. It's not enough to go, I'm free from sin. I'm declared righteous. That's it. We're done. All's good. Because in a few moments, you've got some living to do. And tomorrow's another day and you've got to walk into that next day. And this, this walking in the Spirit is active. It involves this pursuing and running after God. Walking in the Spirit is an ongoing response to the prompting and leading of the Spirit. It's choosing to go in the direction the Spirit asks. It's choosing to follow God's leading. It's choosing to, to humble ourselves and say, I'm not in charge anymore. I'm, I'm following the way of love. I'm serving one another in love. I'm devoting myself to you, Lord, that you might lead me. I'm choosing to go in your direction. But how do I hear his voice? Well, there's some obvious things we can do. We can put ourselves in fellowship. We can read the Bible. We can pray. But if I'm not careful, I'll start giving rules again, won't I? And we'll all feel safe. But you'll measure your sense of spirituality against my guidelines. Because I might tell you what the Spirit says to me. What I get a sense of from how God speaks to me and says, Stuart, come on, seek me, and this is what it looks like for you. If I tell you that, what you there's a possibility that some will go home feeling, well, I'm much more spiritual than Stuart is because I do much more of that stuff than he does. Or you might go away thinking, I can never measure up to that. Oh, and you become hedged in by legalism and law again. The only requirement is this, follow the Spirit. The only requirement is follow the Spirit, follow the Spirit, follow the Spirit. Are you getting this? Pursue the Spirit. Pursue the leading of God. Don't settle for legalism. Don't settle for license and just do whatever you want because both of those end up in the same place. Pursue the Spirit of God. Listen to his voice. Let him lead. How do I know I'm going the right way? Because of the checklists Paul gives. This is the kind of fruit that will be produced in our lives if we are following the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law that stands against these things, that's over these things. There's no law that you need to be boundaried by if you're following the Spirit, because actually that's the fruit that's growing. So I suppose my question to us is, how are we doing? You get the checklists out and you have a look, and you may find, like me, that it's a bit of a blend. If you're really hard on yourself, you might not see any of this stuff. It might be good to ask a positive friend who can see some good things in you that you can't. But have a look. That's why Paul's writing about the fruit. He's writing to people who are arguing and falling out and beating each other up. 
And they're fighting over who's in and who's out. Who's more spiritual than the other ones? And he cuts right through the rubbish and says, stop. Stop fighting. Stop comparing. Stop your factions. Stop pretending that following a little bit of law is going to help because you're going to be stuck following the whole lot. Stop pretending that you're keeping away from the flesh by doing these things. You're not. You're ending up just back where you started. The only way is following the Spirit. How do you do it, Paul? You follow the Spirit. How do I do it? You follow the Spirit. How? You're not answering my question. Follow the Spirit. You'll know when you get there. It may be today that you feel that you've missed God's voice. That as, as I've been showing you these lists, you're really concerned that there's nothing much on this list and there's some stuff on the other list that you're seeing. It's quite simple to put it right with God. It does involve a turning around. It involves a running from and a leaving. But it is quite simple to say, God, I've ended up in the wrong place. I didn't think I was setting out to end up here. I set out to follow what I felt to be true, what I felt to be right, what I felt to be good. But it, I, I can see I've ended up in the wrong place. And you can come back humbly and say, God, forgive me. I, I didn't realize I was going here. You know, sometimes we end up in places we didn't plan to get to. And through a whole series of incremental steps, you discover that you're lost and you thought you knew where you were going. That's what I think Paul's talking about in this passage when he goes on and says, if, if a believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should be gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. It's very simple and it's very encouraging and it's very honoring to God. Come back. Walk the right way. For the rest who want to follow God, we've been led last week to this place where we're saying, okay, how do we put this into practice? My cheer, my cry today is keep in step with the Spirit. Follow the Spirit's leading. Let's have some adventures. Let's have some fun following the Spirit. Let's not be boundaried by rules and regulations that keep us in because they're fake and we'll end up in a place of flesh again. But let's have some fun following the Spirit. Let's have some adventures doing what God tells us to do. Paul has a vision of a freed community. Paul's carrying a vision, which is why he gets so cross. He's carrying a vision of a free community where men and women and slave and free and Jew and Gentile worship together because of what Jesus has done. And someone's come in to mess it up. And they've started dividing and separating and saying, no, you can do that and you can't. Uh, and you can do that and you can't. And to be properly part of this gang, you need to do all sorts of extra things. And Paul says that's rubbish. Christ came to set you free. Now follow the way of the Spirit. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to look next week and the week after at some, uh, one or two of the aspects of the fruit and stop talking about them generally, but look in more detail at one or two. But I want to pray. And my, my, my prayer is simple today. Uh, and if you're with me in this, then, then say amen at the end. I want to pray that the Spirit would lead us. Because I don't want to get stuck in legalism. I've been there. I've set rules for myself. I've heard other people's rules, and I've got bound up by them. I don't want that anymore. Uh, neither do I want to be indulging my flesh and falling into sin. But I do want to be following the Spirit. So if you could pray with me, then, then, then let's do that. Lord, we pray that you'd help us. We, we see instructions and encouragements to live right and we want to live right like the Galatians they wanted to get it right 
But we notice, Lord, in ourselves, we fall into one of two traps, liberty or, or law at times. And we don't want to be there. We want to be following your spirit. And we recognize that will look different for different people at different times. And Lord, that's a bit scary, but we want to follow the spirit. And I pray that as we do so, you'd help us with these guides that you've given. This, this sort of spotter's guide to know, how am I doing? What does my life look like? Lord, would you lead us closer and closer to you? I pray we would be so running so far from law and from sin that we'd be running with your spirit that we would have some great adventures. Lord, may we not get stuck in legalism. May we not get stuck in comparison. Where there's fallings out or dissension or envy or jealousy, Lord, we, we repent. We pray you'd forgive us. We, re- we pray, Lord, that we might see love demonstrated, that we might see peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. May we see all of those things exhibited in our own lives, but also in your church. That it might be said that we, alongside others, are following you. In Jesus' name. Amen.